what's great about metrics-based process mapping is that we're able to like pull in full teams and full swaths of the process and speak with each of those people so that they can delineate the different steps of any process that's often being turned into software. So it's a way that both business owners and techies can kind of communicate in the same space on a common ground without using jargon that doesn't like translate to the two different sides of the table. Guess who's back? Back again. again. Yeah, we're <laughs> back. We are back again, again, Matt. Mm -hmm. Going. So, all right, this is so it, open practice podcast. Here we are again. So if you're still listening to us, thanks. I'm not sure why you are, but we appreciate it. If you're new, also not sure why you're listening, but let's see how this thing goes. So uh, quick intro. So I'm I'm Jerry Becker, uh, innovation practitioner within Red Hat. Used to be part of the Red Hat Open Innovation Labs team where my illustrious co-host is from. So who are you, other guy? Hey, I'm the other guy, Matt Takani. Uh, I am like an agile enthusiast and uh, I love evangelizing new ways of working and working with teams over the course of their life. Uh, and I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Philip Double uh, to our conversation today. Philip is actually a colleague of mine whom like I just incredibly respect. And so I'm so happy that he agreed to come onto the podcast today and speak to us. So Phil, just, you know, who are you? What do you do with Open Innovation Labs? <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm an architect with the Open Innovation Labs. Um, I've been, you know, playing with uh, applications and, and code since, I don't know, sometime in the 90s. And what I've like been lucky enough to find is a home with people like yourself looking to innovate how teams do work and turn death marches into marches or walks in the park. So I'm happy to come and talk with you and your listeners and hopefully spread some of that goodness. If you could actually just like remove a specific food from existence. So there's something that just bothers you about like food in the world. What would you remove? Without a question, there's only one food I dislike in this world. Kale. Can't kale. stand it. What the kale? It's, it's a dark leafy green. It's bitter. It's undigestible. It's like uh, the bane of like my existence because my wife's always trying to slide it in somewhere into my, my diet. And I just can't stand it. It's the only food I dislike. I love all other veg. It's specifically kale. That reminds me of some media sources. It, it's it's uh, undigestible, and they keep trying to slide it into my newsfeed. <laughs> there you go. There's a strong analogy there, Philip. I like it. Kale. Got it. All right. All right I mean, well, it is healthy for you. I'd say that some of those other ones, some of those news streams might not be, but yeah. But yeah. quite bitter, I'm sure. Bitter, yes. <laughs> the other one, also bitter. Yes. All right. Well, that's that's actually really cool. And and speaking of uh, something to look to remove or generate uh, efficiency of our ability to deliver business value is metrics-based process mapping. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an incredibly awesome tool, very rooted in process efficiency and the code that we end up writing. Because ultimately... Automation is a good thing to do, but when you talk about the bottlenecks, 
how do you identify all these kinds of things? Where do we really go? So Phil, I want to kind of toss it off to you about like, kind of like what is metrics-based process mapping and why would you even use it? How do you use it? So metrics-based process mapping, I like to think of it, I mean, it's almost like when you're doing discovery and working with a client to really understand their needs and you're trying to have the conversation and it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. It's like X-Lax for that process. Um, it's a way to like set up some goal posts and work through like the processes that they're trying to talk about. So often the client will come to you and think that they already know what the problem space is completely figured out from their point of view. And it's often from just a couple of stakeholders' points of view. And what's great about metrics-based process mapping is that we're able to like pull in full teams and full swaths of the process and speak with each of those people so that they can delineate the different steps of any process that's often being turned into software um, along the way. But it, it can be used just for like working with business processes in cultural aspects in a company as well. So. It's a way that both business owners and techies can kind of communicate in the same space on a common ground without using jargon that doesn't like translate to the two different sides of the table as well. So that they're on an evil table, even table and exploring the problem space together. Yeah, that's great. One of the things I wanted to ask you, and, and sometimes it can differ from team to team having experienced this, but what are some of the really specific like target outcomes that you know MBPM either tries to achieve or the ones that you have seen kind of achieved most often? Well, it's, it's about providing an overall view of the problem space and identifying like the real pain points, holdups and efficiencies and where the time is being spent from like, if we're talking about say software, from idea out to production or if it's a specific process of how we move um, a car from the production line to the delivery lot. We can take any process that takes place in business and break it down into these steps of between goalpost A and goalpost B. And it allows everybody to visualize at the end of that process where the efficiencies are to be had. And also like something we've been adding recently, the pain points as well, because as you know, in, in, in MBPM or metrics-based process mapping, we're, we're tracking on these, each one of these steps, the people involved, the time involved, both the process time that they're actually active and the, the lead time that leads to like the next step taking place, as well as like, how often it has to come back and be reworked because of defects or problems in that process. But we've also been adding another one, which is the process pain. So we're asking the users, not just how long does this take, but how painful is this? How much do I dread this or how like, okay is it? Mm -hmm. With like, by adding like a happy face, a sad face or a medium face. Because we also wanna track the effect of this process on the people performing the process, um, both for retention purposes and for just like, can we make this step even easier or better so that it doesn't suck to do? <laughs> yeah, I love how you, how you're with the, pain level of each step, you're, you're really bringing in that human focus, like the human centered design component that 
that could often be overlooked if you're not including it, where you're just focused on the process, what takes the most time, let's automate something that might take, it might not be the thing that's the biggest time suck, but it's the thing that's the most frustrating. And, it, and that could mean you might prioritize solving that area first because it's going to benefit your people in the end, which is really cool. Love exactly. That. I mean, how, how much retention are you losing when people leave because the job itself is so painful? You might be gaining efficiencies, but are you like destroying your workers to do it? Mm. Yeah, I, I love that introduction. And I actually ne I've never thought about bringing in the empathetic element into MBPM. And so like you're 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 like jazzing me up. I'm getting super excited uh, uh, even yeah. thinking about it because uh, something that I've been constantly um, weaving into like my decisions is not being data driven decision, but data informed decisions mm -hmm. and metrics based process mapping. And what you were just talking about looks to drive down that path because you need to account for more than just time efficiency. You need to talk about retention. You need to talk mm -hmm. about um, if you alleviate someone's pain in this area, their like the cognitive load that that person has is lifted so that they can actually tackle other problems that they actually see inside of your process. And it's informed by this like shared vision of what that process really kind of looks like. You've generated that domain expertise for that shared understanding, that vocabulary that you were talking about, and you tackle it as a team. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's alignment. It's, it was just beautiful. It, it took it from being an exercise in ruthless efficiency to being like an exercise. You adding that by adding that human element, like it, it leveled that out so that we're not, creating solutions that are inhumane in the process. Yeah, which is really important and sometimes often overlooked when teams get so much pressure, pressure to be efficient and speed mm -hmm. is you forget the human factor. And I love that you're taking a process and looking at it from the point of view of the process, but also designing the experience of what it's like for someone to participate in that process, which is really, really important. That's really cool. I've done it the other way around. I'll, I never thought about doing it this way. The way that you just said, but I've done it the other way around where I actually start with a service blueprint where that stuff is captured, but then I go back and overlay the MVPM metrics mm. on it. But sometimes you don't need a whole service blueprint to go through first because that can take quite some time. I yeah. love how you can kind of like reverse these and use one as the foundation and overlay the other, um, depending on what the, the use case is, which is really cool. Um, and we're able to gather it as we're grabbing each of those pieces. And ideally, we're doing it with like the the people down in the trenches actually doing these um, aspects. So often, like you'll start like the MBPM with just a conversation with maybe a couple of high up sea levels. Right. And then when you start digging on the questions of the actual, you start realizing right away, like, oh, they don't know the details here. And you start asking for those people to come into the room and adding those details. In. And you end up digging through the entire organization as you're doing this. Now, hopefully, you know that you've done some interviews ahead of time and you know the people to have in the room. But you're better off stopping than and, and waiting until you have access to the right people than trying to, to have one person at the top say, well, they do this. And then I, they pass that off to this person and they do this because they don't know all of the actual details. And you miss a lot of the nuggets and opportunities to fix things, especially on that human side, because they're the ones that are going to point out the pain points, not just what the process looks like. I yeah. love that as a tip. 
um, it seems like a, like a strong facilitation tip for anyone that wants to run MBPM, uh, regardless of where you start in the organization, when you start pulling those threads, bring in those people that have the information that you can actually drill a little bit deeper, whether that's part of the existing uh, map that you're doing. So the, the, the metrics based process map that you are building, or if it happens to be like a sub process within another MBPM and you can kind of like nest those kinds of things. We, we actually just did this at the end of last year with like a household name company. Um, and it started off with like the C levels in the room and, and working through, we had done some interviews ahead of time and we had a handful of like the right median level directors in the room. But as we were stepping through this to begin with, you could see like the apprehension on their face. It was all video con and we were doing it through Miro and everything. Um, but as we were working our way through, you saw the looks on their faces as we kept adding people and bringing another person in. And when we got to the end of it, the CTO, like it had kind of like had just a, a flat face the entire time. And I was really wondering whether this was hitting. And he was like, this is the first time we actually understand how, and this was the main drive of their business, the entirety of how this occurs. Like they, they did not understand themselves what it took to get from A to B. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I loved being able to see the full value flow um, that you're really doing uh, as you were in, in uh, adding all of these people um, into the conversation. I'm mm -hmm. super interested in how you handled that facilitation so that you could like maximize the value that you were able to see at the end. Well, it, it involved most of their companies. So we staggered it. Um, we scheduled people at our increments while some of them were there during the entire session. So this, like those C's that were there for the entire design sprint were there observing this taking place. And we had done a bunch of interviews ahead of time to understand the different roles of the different people at the company and where they kind of fit into this process. So as we brought each one in, we figured out where on the map they started and they would pick up from there and we would make our way through and um you know get to who they passed off to and hopefully that was the next name on the list but we knew where to pick up if it wasn't the next person coming into the room that okay they passed off to you here where did you go from here and we ended up finding a bunch of new people that we didn't even and applications that connected to this that we didn't even, they didn't even realize were part of the process so we ended up like setting up other interviews and they were like in the background like hey can we get you here at three o'clock this afternoon to like interview you for 20 minutes. Um, and so they were pulling people in as we were finding out those connections along the way, um, like pulling them out of whatever they were in. And because they realized this was like their main drive for like the next year and a half of like how they were going to transform. How many swim lanes did you end up adding? Uh, uh, it the... was something like 14 to, to 18, somewhere in there. Um, lot. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> and what's awesome is we're taking this and, and we're compacting it into a single interface and app. Um, something that used to be passed around the entire company, like literally <laughs> moved in a, a document that was moved around that we're giving everybody one location to come in and totally simplifying their world. It's kind of wonderful. Cross-functional teams. Cross-functional teams. Get it, get it, Matt. Preach. <laughs> yeah. I love, and, I, and I like, Philip, I love how the approach was like, you went in and you went in open-minded to say, hey, we, we're not sure who we need to bring into this process, but we know there's some people we need to understand the whole thing. 
So let's say if this is really like sometimes you have processes where you can just get the right people in the room and you can like you can get it out really quickly. You can all see it. You all have the information in the room. Sometimes you get into some really complex processes where it takes some discovery as you're going and you might mark areas where you're unsure about and then bring in those people. And I love how you approached it in, well, let's bring in the right people as we go through this, who we need so they can see their piece of the puzzle. But then let's also identify the people that we need to keep in the room throughout this entire thing so that they understand it in its entirety. That was really cool. And and man, just the, the overall really quick that was really interesting yeah. that came out of that was that going in, they had come to us with a sow delineate like a hundred pages, like delineating every, the, the software will do this, all of the like specific requirements. And during the design sprint where we were figuring out how to map that sow, we did this exercise and we actually, basically the sow got thrown out after that because they realized that this was a better diagram for what they needed than that hundred pages of text. And it completely changed their point of view on what was actually really needed in the endpoints because they, it went from like a few people telling everybody what was needed to the entire team saying, actually on our end, this is what we need. This is how we use it. Yeah. And it completely pivoted the project. Yep. That's really, it's like just the power of visualization that this brings is like, it's not only getting people to see the same thing, but to, to have that visualization drive the conversation so that the right questions are being asked, the right people are being engaged with in order to create it. And by the end of it, you have something that everybody sees more clearly now. And then you can step back and look at it in its entirely, entirety and say, now that we understand this, where do we focus first on improving this thing? And I, I love the, the analogy of like, it, it's almost like we're trying to create through this, create um, humane X-lax. So sorry yeah. for the crappy analogy that we're out there. but <laughs> it's I, I all about that. flow <laughs> yeah but bringing that humanity into it was such a cool addition that you guys layered into this i love that it allowed them to realize what they needed to build without building the wrong thing first and ended up saving them a lot of heartache in the long run oh how important is that question what do you need to build not what do you want to build yeah exactly like and and this showed them um, and so it's a great tool for that kind of illustrating what needs to be built. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Oh, and quickly, I know, uh, I just realized Matt helped point this out in our, in the story, SOW, S-O-W, statement of work, just for anybody who doesn't work in, in, in that realm, but wanted to define that. Cool. Well, Philip, this was, this was really good stuff. Um, uh, we appreciate you coming on and kind of walking us through and, and adding some more color and context to what, um, the listener out there you can find on the open practice library. So if you go to openpracticelibrary.com and you want to search for MBPM metrics based process mapping, you can learn the actual like steps and how to facilitate that. So we didn't want to get into that here. We just wanted to add some additional kind of commentary and some tips in there to help you out in your journey, but go there. If you want to learn a little bit more about the, the ins and outs of MBPM, um, take inspiration from Phil, add in some human element to it. Love that. Um, but last question, Phil, how can people keep up with you? So if people have, have liked riding the Philip train today and they want to say, Hey, I want more from this guy's brain. How do they do that? Uh, I'm a classic techie. Um, you can find me at philip.double at GitHub, <laughs> um, out on LinkedIn and, uh, 
That's okay. We can get it from you, Philip, and we'll put it in the show notes. So if anybody wants to keep up with you that way, check Sounds the show good. notes for the episode. We'll put all this stuff in here for how to follow, how to follow Philip. But thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Ah, no, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for all the listeners. Stay open. Hey, you. High fives to you for listening to this episode of the Open Practice Podcast. That was awesome of you. And you should do it more often because who doesn't like more awesome stuff in their lives? It's awesome. If you like what you heard and you want to know more, feel free to head over to openpracticelibrary.com where you can find a wealth of activities and practices that you can run with your team in order to help get you from idea to delivery. And while you're there, why not upload your own stuff too? This is all about a community. We all need to share what's in our brains so that we can all get better at creating better ideas and turning those into better solutions for people. So contribute. We need it. If you want to keep up with us, you can also hit us up and follow us on Instagram at Open Practice Library. Thanks for listening and stay open.